on today's Locked On Texan podcast. Turn up for what? The <laughs> podcast, my boy Ewan, the boss from across the Voss, who joins the Locked On Texan podcast as we discuss the NFL draft this Thursday. Left guard, right tackle, right guard. What is Titus Howard? He's a man of many trades, and that may potentially affect what he can do with the Houston Texans. We'll dive into that and much more on today's Locked On Texan podcast. Start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texas Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Now. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNow.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500 or more by using Locked On at the checkout, promo code Locked On at the checkout. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. And for today's episode, as we mentioned, we will be talking to Ewan from across the Voss. I like that. Across the Voss. Voss is water. <laughs> pun, you know. That'll be a very interesting conversation. We dive into late round picks. And then we look at the tight end position as well. Before we go into that direction, let's stay here in home. Right Before we take a trip and get on a plane, let's, take, let's stay at home. Cody, Titus Howard. <laughs> at this point, it does seem like because he's not the player that was drafted by Lovey Smith and Nick Casario, uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like they're going to commit to him at a position. They're just going to use him whenever they see fit until they're, they're able to find maybe a replacement for him. Uh, and this is not coming from anybody. This is my speculation. Uh, he has mentioned that he will play wherever the Houston Texans see fit for him to play across this offensive line. And I think that does help him out in his current job, in his role right now, being able to be versatile, that V word, right? <laughs> uh, but I have been very skeptical of him playing guard. I think everybody would love to see him play right tackle. We've had the conversation around tackles and why it wouldn't make sense to draft a tackle if you're going to slide him down to guard. We've seen that with Titus Howard. A lot of us may have PTSD from that. I know I do, Cody, but what's actually going on with Titus Howard and the Houston Texans? Well, yesterday we actually had an opportunity to speak to Titus Howard for the first time. And, John, as you just alluded to, he did say that he will play anywhere on the offensive line if the Houston Texans give him a chance to. And, and look, they will in 2022. However, John, listeners and viewers, with the NFL draft set for tomorrow – I think we're going to get a true sense on what the Houston Texans and how the Houston Texans value Titus Howard because one of the biggest topics for discussion has been what are the Texans going to do at number three? Are they going to take Evan Neal? Are they, they going to take Iki Iquanu? Um, You know, at first that seemed like the most logical thing to do given how subpar the offensive line production was in 2021. However, that was because we didn't know what the future had in store for Larry Montoncho. And you damn sure know if there's anybody on that front five who has their spot solidified is Larry Tunsil. It's Larry Tunsil. And, you know, when you take a look at 
Iquano, when you take a look at Neil, they play the same position as Titus Howard. Somebody's going to be, unfortunately, moved into the inside of the interior offensive line. And if it's Titus Howard, it's not going to be good for him because, John, another thing you just alluded to, 2021, it started out kind of rough for him because he did not look good at left guard. And people like you and I, other people in the Texans media, some fans, they want to see Titus Howard back at right tackle. But, John, the most important thing of, of all is next week or the week after. I can't remember the day, but if, if if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's more so next week. It's the deadline on whether or not the Houston Texans are going to pick up Titus Howard's fifth-year option. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint of if tomorrow we see with the third overall pick the Houston Texans select Evan Neal or Iki Okwanu, I'm pretty sure they're not going to pick up that fifth-year option. If they don't and they take a guy like Sauce or Stingley or whoever the case might be, I think they're going to give Titus Howard a fair opportunity in 2022 to go out there and showcase that he is not only a right tackle in 2022 but beyond. Yeah, and I'm looking right now. The deadline for uh, picking up the fifth-year option option is May 2nd. Mm. So next, that's next Tuesday, right? That's next <laughs> Tuesday. And listen, I, I'll go. I'll go and say this. I think Titus Howard, at the beginning of the year, fared well at left guard before Laramie Tunsil went out. And I think that a, a good left guard has a great left tackle, or decent left guard has a great left tackle. And I believe that when Laramie Tunsil was actually you know, playing for the Houston Texans uh, last season before he got hurt. I thought I, I, I thought Titus Howard had some good moments, right, especially within the first two games. I thought there were some things he could have done better. In terms of a pass protector, I thought he had some good moments. But this year he has set the cost of the Texans around $3.8 million. And picking up that fifth-year option will say a lot for Larry Tunsil and his future with this franchise. I will say that. And I think right now for Tunsil, excuse me, for Howard in Houston, he needs to get to a place where he is comfortable and is able to play. And if Houston does indeed go with a tackle with the third overall pick, you know, I don't necessarily think people can be mad at them after watching the offensive line basically run off in part what Deshaun Watson was able to do the terrible offensive line last year and not be able to provide a push for their running backs necessarily cannot be mad. And if they do draft the tackle, we've talked about moving a tackle inside during the draft. They may well indeed look at putting out back at left guard, maybe at right guard, who knows? And so I think, again, it just, it just depends on their big board and how they view this roster at this time. Whether she prefers a statement piece for everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. This Mother's Day, give mom something special, something that she will treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off 500 or more purchases. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code locked on. Plus, every order is insured. Ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. 
Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And welcome back, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers. As promised for today's episode, having a great opportunity to speak with Ewan over at the Turn Up For What podcast. Now, if you guys do not know him, make sure you follow the Turn Up For What on Twitter, and I'll let him give all of that information. But We had him on the show uh, last year, and then I appeared on his show as well. So an amazing uh, somebody great to talk to when it comes to the Houston Texans. He does a lot of his own homework, doesn't go based off what other people say. He has his own knowledge. Ewan, welcome back to the Locked on Texan podcast. Thank you for having me, John. It's uh, good to be on the same week as uh, the GOAT at wide receiver as well, so it's an honor. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that was an amazing episode. Shout out to Jerry Rice. Uh, Ewan, it's been a while, but I think that for the most part, whether we agree or disagree at number three, 13, or wherever the direction of this NFL draft, considering, uh, well, not considering, but in terms of what the Houston Texans can do, a lot of people are excited right now. Uh, has your excitement been, you know, at the highest levels, or are you kind of just, eh, going into draft week? No, I've been fired up, man. I'm enjoying it. I think it, it's great to be back at the table again for the first time in a long time of, you know, actually – being relevant at the top of the draft. And obviously you don't want to be right at the top because it means you had a bad season the season prior. But I think that there's a bit of a relief and a bit of a moment to turn the page, I think, into a new era of Texans football, which we've, we were kind of in limbo for a year, really, with the Watson situation. Now that's been dealt, you know, was the trade all that great? No, but, um, you know, the certainty, clarity was what they viewed. And we've got that now. So, Nick's got to do his bit, and uh, that's, you know, there's six picks over the next three years, and there's not much room for error, um, but this draft has been has been great to dive into. This is the first year I've kind of put a big board together. Um, I've done a horizontal one by position, um, but I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed watching college football. You know, like, it wasn't too long ago you and I were uh, in a bar in Houston watching the Alabama game that oh, yeah. went to double however many overtimes, and, you know, the college football is probably a little bit underappreciated at times when you kind of focus on the pro stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of good guys out there this year. It's not the best class by any stretch of the imagination, but um, but there's certainly, you know, value to be had. And it's it's all on Nick now. So he, it's it's his time to shine. Everybody's been very complimentary of him. And he's not done a huge amount to this point. But what he has done well is the is last year's draft. So he's got it, he's got to he's got to echo that again this year and eclipse that in as many ways and as many positions as possible. Absolutely. And before we actually dive into the draft, I'm sure you have kept up with the recent rumors, uh, speculation surrounding the Houston Texans and the rumors of Debo Samuel, which are now factual, not actually wanting to be a 49er moving forward. And I think this is hot news and a hot topic to discuss. Do you feel like Houston should pull a trade, uh, pull the trigger on a trade for Debo Samuel, considering they may not want to stretch out a rebuild? They may want to be competitive as sooner, uh, sooner than later. Do you feel like Debo is what would make sense for Houston? No, um, as the short answer, <laughs> I, I I genuinely don't understand why people would would think it would be a good idea. If I'm honest, and I know a lot of people do, and I've seen that, uh, but I think I think you you've got to understand, you've got to look back why we're in this situation, and the biggest reason why we're in this situation right now with a talent talentless roster or very limited talent roster was because we made trades for guys, ignored the draft class, 
and we overvalued the current quality of our or the at that time the quality of the roster. We felt like we had a franchise quarterback, so we could make moves. We don't have that luxury anymore. So teams that do have that luxury, I think, could potentially go and make you know take Debo. And would it be fun? Yep. But we're not playing Madden. We're trying to build what Nick Casario keeps talking about is sustainable success over a long period of time. And trading out picks is not sustainable. It's the it's the antithesis of you know being sustainable and you know you've got to take the context that he's a functional weapon x gadget hybrid player whatever you want to call him under probably a top three play caller in this league so you know you've got you've got to factor that in does he fit fit pep hamilton's system i've not dug into it enough but my initial reaction is no um he's not really got a huge amount of kind of you know certainly has, has a history of calling plays and fitting a kind of that type of player in would he become a top two, top you know, top one of offensive players on his team right now? Yeah, but you've got to see beyond the, the here and now, I think. Casario will do that. Um, and you don't want to recreate the mistakes of you know of yesteryear and trade away picks, guys on rookie deals, sustainable, you know, cap friendly deals, and pay them. So you've got two, you've got two main avenues to to improve your team, and it's through your draft and it's through free agency. And if you have to give up both for one player, we've already seen that. Um, and, it, and and that's saying that he might want to come to Houston. And if he if he's only after money, then yeah, maybe he will. But you've got to think at a guy at his stage of career, he's a productive player, he wants to go and win a championship. If he doesn't feel like he can do that in San Francisco or it is about money, then maybe he will be here. Look, and, and you can never rule anything out in trades these days. We've seen that, you know, the trade the trend getting towards like the NBA is getting bigger and bigger all the time. And it's fun for it. fans. Um but you've kind of, I think, as a as a fan, yeah, I would like to see it. But as a as a as a content creator, as a podcaster, as a writer about this team, it doesn't make sense objectively, and I I, I struggle to understand the longer term plan to do that. So yeah, would it be fun? Yeah, but you know, we're looking to try and build a team, and I think if you were to do that, you're underestimating the needs that we've got, and the needs are stark, and there's many of them. So to to kind of go after a gadget player like that. It's great, it's fun to watch, but it's not going to help us be a better team. We still need to get better in the pass rush. We still need to find guys that can actually cover in the passing game in the secondary. And, you know, that's just two of many needs. So if you kind of ignore that, then, yeah, it doesn't help Davis Mills a great deal. It only hides him, I would suggest, if you're going to bring in a player like that. And we want to see what he's got this year. So so I get it. I understand why people are, but, yeah, it's a hard, hard pass for me. Okay, let's go back and circle back around to the NFL draft. Next Thursday, it kicks off and – we are hyped about the 3-13th overall pick, but I think it's very important to look at some of the later round picks as well. Houston has, I want to say, 12 or 13 picks in this year's draft. Are there any players that make sense, in your opinion, between rounds 4-7? to seven? Yeah, I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of guys um, on this board this year that I like. Um, it's it's hard to – it's always hard to judge um, – like you know rounds i think because it's you can give grades and you can give you know give a view on a player but you know it just takes one team and the whole thing um is kind of shot really um tackle i've not really got a huge amount of guys um that are like just on the offensive side of the ball uh luke fortner center from kentucky uh watched him number of games solid really kind of strong anchor at the point of attack digs in at the line of scrimmage not the most complete player, not the most flashy player, but centre is a position of need. Obviously brought back Justin uh, Britt, but yeah, not really, you know, I don't think anybody's really necessarily sold on on his level of play. 
Um, and wide receiver, I think, you know, this year, it's like uh, going for gelato, I'd say, you know, it's there's pick your flavor. It just depends <laughs> what kind of guys you want. Velas Jones from Tennessee, dynamic yes. returner, speedy on the outside, is a guy that I like uh, big time. And I think, you know, somebody's going to pick up a Justin Ross from Clemson or a George Pickens um, at uh, wide receiver from Georgia. Both had injury histories, but at their prime and their best tape in college, you know, we're up there with the Lavies, the Londons and the, and the Williams, etc. Um, there's a number of options at slot. I think Sky with two wise, Sky Moore could be an excellent position to pick up at slot. I don't know if, you know, how much Pep will utilise that position, but Khalil Shakir from Boise State, he's got inside-outside versatility and, you know, you don't need to watch much of his tape um, to do that. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, which I'm a defensive guy um, by nature, um, I've got a couple of guys that I really like. Um, Matthew Butler from Tennessee as well, one of probably up there in the top four or five guys of first-step quickness at the line and he may be suited to, you know, a, th- a, a three-man front. Uh, predominantly, but he's certainly a guy. Josh Pascal's a guy I'm really high on. Um, I think he's going to make a team really happy at some point. Um, he's in elite company in terms of his physical traits. Um, and I think, you know, watching some of the similar, you can tell some of this, you see that I've watched, but uh, Pascal's got a great, a great kind of ceiling, I think. And he's, uh, you can see huge progress from his year prior to, to his last year at, at Kentucky and just can inside, outside versatility. You know, we, we give a lot as a situational pass rusher, but also an end um, on base looks and love his four-man front. So, yeah, there's a lot to like. Safety's a deep position. Brian Cook from Cincinnati is a guy I like, comes downhill, brings it every time. Um, and he's a real kind of box safety presence. They could give you an identity on the back end. And I think he's a guy that, you know, teams could really look to. And Martin Emerson from Mississippi State, perfect for the zone scheme. Uh, he's gone up against some of the some of the best in that conference and not looked out of place. Six foot two, got the requisite length that Lovey's talked about needing. So there are a couple of guys that I've kept tabs on, but I've, you know, as I said before, really enjoyed this year's draft going through these guys and uh you know you, un- you understand a lot and you know the, the hardest bit about this you can watch something you can grade them i kind of put them into five different kind of categories um in terms of how early you can think they can play and what they can develop into but trying to trying to do it as a big board and t- you know as a guard better than a center you know or as a cornerback better than an offensive lineman or what have you it's really really hard to do so to try and calibrate the talent that's where the skill comes in that's what the front office guys get paid for and it's definitely not easy but uh yeah we're counting on them this uh, off season to try and you know turn this roster around a little cody we were having a very interesting conversation in our locked on group chat about all of the different flavors that Bill Bar provides. We're going back and forth to see which is our favorite. Now, if you do not know about Bill Bar and the flavors that they offer, you got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. You got the white chocolate cookies and cream. All of their flavors are delicious. New flavors are coming out all of the time. And here's the best part. Most Bill Bar contains 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually carries around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of net carbs. Flavors, best tasting, and good for you? I don't think you can beat that. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 at build.com. 
Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One position that I think has been overlooked has been the tight end position. Uh, Trey McBride is coming out, Charlie Collar. Um, a lot of great, I think, tight ends that teams could really get later in the draft between the rounds that we just talked about, between four to seven. Um, has there been a tight end that you may have looked at and scouted and understanding that Houston does need more of a physical tight end to help with the offensive line and be more nasty in the trenches? Has there really been a tight end that stood out to you that makes sense for Houston to draft later in the draft? Yeah, I was kind of split them into three buckets, um, the tight ends. Obviously, Brevin Jordan last year is your sort of traditional move F tight end, um, and he probably coincides with the same skill set as uh, Greg Dulcich from uh, UCLA, who's my number one overall, and he's probably just the smoothest athlete, uh, but he's certainly got a bit of work to do at the line of scrimmages. Six four two forty. Um, there they're about to wade into the combine, so he's probably not quite what we're looking for. I think the Texans need a true why a guy who is a blocker at the line is will be tight in the line of scrimmage, the traditional role of a tight end. Um, and Trey McBride's a guy that you that yeah definitely um, fits that mold. And pr- probably if you'd asked me before today, John, I probably didn't have watched enough of him um, and enjoyed some of his tape. Actual an underrated blocker. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, but I think he's probably you know the one, if not the, the consensus number two in this class. So yeah, rounds four to seven, I don't think he'll necessarily be there. I'm probably higher on Cade Otten uh, from Washington. I think more than anybody, uh, number eighty-seven. If you're watching them, and he is, there's just something about his play. It's very refined as a young guy. Um, he's a good blocker, but he also gets out into the passing lanes and probably got the best technique and he's probably the best route runner of the true wide tight ends who can back it up in a bit of kind of blocking now that is you know is their technique to be refined absolutely but six five um 250 pounds just a shade off he's definitely got the requisite length to do it if you're looking for a true blocker probably the best why just that doesn't necessarily give as much to the passing game but daniel bellinger from san diego state he's you know he was a really productive run game um, in that conference, and you, he's certainly a guy you can have. And I think the biggest, probably, well, the combine darling was Jelani Woods, and he was he was obviously, um, you know, he. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those nature programs where you see a shark jump out the water and catch a bird uh, for as part of it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what his uh, that's what his eighty two inch wingspan reminds me of when he goes up and high points the ball. I think. He's a player that he runs a limited route tree from, you know, from the catches in the production. He had about 40-odd catches, just under 600 yards, but he did have eight touchdowns, really hard to cover by safeties and linebackers in the red zone. So I think with his combine, with his workout, you know, he was the, the Trayvon Walker of the of of the uh, the tight end room um, at the combine in Indianapolis. And I think he'll probably get taken higher than he would. Now, he didn't play at Oklahoma State. And, you know, if we draft him, that's something I'd like to look into because I don't know the answer to that. He transferred to Virginia. So there's obviously been a history of non-production. But, I mean, as an athlete, um, six foot seven, and he uses every bit of that frame and a huge catch radius for a guy at the true wide tight end. And if we're looking for a two-way go guy, a U, the U tight end that can do a bit of everything, 
um, <clears throat> and sort of be that in between the why and Brave and Jordan. Because I think we need both, you know, to to complement Brave and if that's the way we're going. Because I don't think anybody thinks that um, Eau Claire is the answer at the why, and I don't think anybody thinks no. um, Pharaoh Brown's going to be the answer at the U. So um, Charlie Kohler, a guy you mentioned, he's a bit inconsistent with the hands. I watched him in the cheese at bowl. Um, against Clemson, and he kind of caught a couple off the off the helmet of uh, of the defender when they were you know trailing him in press coverage, uh, and then there was a couple of balls he could have catch. But he's an all round player that's going to he led that uh, division and touchdowns last year, so you know certainly a multiple All American award. So he's a guy that could go away to definitely you know be a pickup. Jeremy Ruckert's an interesting one because he was at Ohio State. Obviously, they they live in eleven personnel. You've got all you know with that two wide receivers at a minimum that are going to go in the first round this year. You've probably got another one next year that's going to go as well. But he's just a really solid player, not too flashy. They sort of motion him across the line of scrimmage a lot, but he's definitely got a ceiling probably better as a pro um, than he than he, than he necessarily had in, in college. And a guy who's a bit of a sleeper for me, he was the first tight end I studied in this class, is San Diego, uh, sorry, San Jose State, um, is uh, Derek De Jesse Jr. Uh, Desi Jr. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, but he was their offense, um, and he went up a bit like Jelani Woods. Huge catches, high point, high point in the ball in between the linebackers in the secondary. Can block equally well. He can seal off the edge on uh, at the on the end of the alignment and, and open up the running lane for the running back. So yeah, I think there's a huge amount of guys here that that could necessarily. Um, you know, be options for the Texans. I think we definitely need to get the inline blocker. That's perhaps the bigger need, but we we know that Pep Hamilton will probably be in 12 personnel or certainly favours two tight end sets. Um, and probably somebody that played the most of that was Charlie Collar. So he might be a, the biggest scheme fit um, from Iowa State. And certainly I know they're looking at he's running back Brees Hall. So they've obviously watched them there. You can see the link. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of guys, John, I think they could come in and help this Texans team at tight end. Um, but I think we're going to need to find multiple guys because I'm not sold on any of the vets we're brought back. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for checking out today's episode. That was Ewan, my friend Ewan, uh, across the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, he's with the Turn Up, Turn Up for Wild podcast. A great insight there. Ewan, before you get out of here, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and all of your work. No, thanks for having me, John. Um, great to kind of talk some draft. You can find us um, at Podcast Texans, um, at podcasttexans.com. It's the turn up for what podcast, and it's on all platforms pretty much out there. And check out, subscribe, give us a like on the YouTube channel. Um, you follow Locked on Texans, give us a follow. We do kind of one, one show every week. Uh, we're not as uh, we're not pumping at the content as these guys at Locked On. I'd, tip my hat to you guys every you know every day you're bringing something out so uh, we'll be once a week we've got a big show lined up next week we're going to mock a war room uh, or what we expect the Texans war room to be like over the, the draft weekend but it can't come quick enough John we're going to turn the page hopefully and start uh, start a new era finally after probably you know over a year in limbo so looking forward to it man it's going to be uh, going to be a new a new dawn hopefully and we need all and it's going to start with getting a blue chip player at the top at three so you know and then we'll take it from there so but looking forward to it thank you for your time we appreciate it thank you for your time and uh, you're absolutely right number three and possibly 13 if they do not trade it will be very important for the success in the next five years under nick casario so uh, everyone in houston 
just looking forward to it. And uh, man, you know what? I know we'll be on Twitter talking about it, however the direction goes. So I can't wait for it to go down next Thursday. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texan. Subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. And give me a follow. You see the mention down at the bottom of the screen. John underscore Hickman 12. Follow me. Mention me. Talk Texans. Talk sports. Talk rockets. Talk music. Talk it all. Just don't talk nasty. <laughs> and as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Really quick, Until really quick, next. Really quick. Talking nasty means don't come in my mentions and saying something crazy with a wild take. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, come, don't, don't come talking crazy with your wild unexplainable sports take or music take. That's talking nasty. <laughs> don't come talk nasty. That's nasty work. And I don't, I'm not a part of that nasty business. Speak, speaking of bad takes, Kyle Hamilton, a guy who was high on everybody draft board. I don't know what happened, man. Drake, better than Michael Jackson? That's what happened nasty. to him. People, people started <laughs> to think about his judgment on a football field with that horrible take. And here we are. A little bit over 24 hours away from the NFL draft. That's nasty. And he has not been heard or seen since. But it is what it is. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Shout out, Larry.